Bueller. 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 How'd you do? I do? I passed, but I failed. Yeah! I'm happy and sad. Bright as you could have a brother who's so. Don't call me stupid. Who out of the chicken crossed the road? You'll be teaching remedial English. Remedial English? Look, I ain't no English teacher. See? Double negative. What if she wants you to kiss her? Well, then I guess I'm just gonna have to kiss her. Amanda Jones is no minor leaguer who will be swept off her feet at the touch of your amateur lips. Thanks. This babe has plenty of battle scars. Apparently it's rusted junk and we're looking at it. Hello, welcome to episode 3 of season 2 where we look at the 1986 classic Stand By Me. Starring River Phoenix, Will Wheaton, Corey Feldman, Jerry O'Connell, and Kiefer Sutherland. In all our lives, there's a fall from innocence. A time after which we are never the same. It happened in the summer of 1959. A long time ago. Oh man, where do you hear this? Where do you hear this? What is it, man? You guys want to go see a dead body? When the night has come. And the land is dark. We interrupt to bring you an update on the search for the missing 12-year-old Ray Brower. Kid's gone. They're never going to find him. Not where they're looking. And the moon is the only light we'll see. You think Mighty Mouse could beat up Superman? Mighty Mouse is a cartoon. Superman is a real guy. No way a cartoon could beat up a real guy. We're going to be on every radio and TV show in the country. I still don't think we should go. If I can only have one food for the rest of my life, that's easy. Pass. Cherry flavor pass. No question about it. I like to go someplace where nobody knows me. We found him. We got dibs. Better start running, eyeball. They got dibs. There's four of us, eyeball. You just make your move. You're dead. For some, it's the last real taste of innocence. I'm never gonna get out of this town now, my Gory. You can do anything you want, man. And the first real taste of life. This is really a good time. The most a blast. But for everyone, it's the time that memories are made of. So darling, darling. Okay, stand by me then. After that, that distinctive voice of Kiefer Sutherland. I mean, it's just when you hear it, it's Jack Bauer. You know, it's <laughs> it's it's Kiefer it's a few Sutherland. Years off that, yo. Yeah, I know. Obviously, we'll yo, get into... yeah, though. Okay. I've just concatenated a word, yo. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure he might wouldn't have said yo when he was that age, but he does say he does. I was going to say, he does have a lot to say in this film. He does have he a big have part. doesn't have a lot much to say. He does have a big part to play. Anyway, we will get to that. We will get to that in due time. First of all, uh, so Stand By Me marks out of ten. <gasps> oh, I think a good eight. Good eight. Yeah, good eight. I, I, having not watched the film previously, hmm. um, 
previously on 24. No. Having not That's not a distinctive watched voice. the film. No, but there we go. I said previously, so I just thought I'd add that in. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, I'd not watched the film before. I'd watched probably a few snippets. It was always one of those films that everyone else had seen and I'd not seen, but never got round to seeing. And I actually really enjoyed it. I, I felt quite empathetic towards River Phoenix's character. Okay. I, I felt that he, River Phoenix, and is it Will Wheaton that Will Wheaton, played yeah. the other main yeah. character? I felt they gave sterling performances in this film. Hmm. I really, I really liked what they did with the characters. Hmm. Um, they really made it feel like it was not acting. Yeah, I, yeah, I get that, and. You know, for those for those new listeners that have just typed in "Stand by Me" and and <laughs> just ended this, this is a recurring theme where um, Amanda hasn't seen the film. Um, when she says she sees snippets, I have this vision. You know, we've gone through enough of these now. I have this vision that th- throughout the eighties, she's walked past TVs. She's probably stood there for five minutes and looked at it and gone. Nah, I'm going to watch the clothes show, or I'm going to watch something else. Oh yeah, I did used to watch the clothes show. Well, yeah, but I'm, I'm sure your your mind was like, do you know what? I probably should watch this because it's classic. I was out having fun. Going, I was out like playing with well, my mates and that. stuff. Well, you say that. I was out I, having I was. fun with my mates, but I got I squeezed in a few, well, quite a lot of films. Really, <laughs> too many films. Then, too many. So maybe we should like retitle our podcast from <laughs> Forgotten Eighties Films to. 80s films Amanda sort of seen but never got round to we could change it to that <laughs> I mean it's not very snappy though is it well I mean we've done say anything Ferris Bueller's Day Off and Stand By Me <laughs> not not what you the first people you think of in the top 20 of 80s forgotten, films but yeah. you know they're, for some people Stand By Me would be yeah they're not forgotten no they're just like not been seen by me I just guess just not been seen by you so forgotten 80s movies actually <laughs> refers to you <laughs> yeah. it's basically films Amanda hasn't seen Rusted junk. Um, my mate Alex uh, just put this on all the time. There was a time when he went round and he said, "Oh, Joe, you know, we used to go right drinking till it's about five in the morning." And he said, "Oh, should I just put something on it?" It was usually some sort of music, like an ELO concert or something like that. But occasionally he put on a film, quite a few actually, and stand by me. And he just had a real affinity to the characters. It was always a massive bond that he had. Um, we never really talked about it because he's not that type of mate that we go into deep about it. But you know that spoiler alert for the for the bit. You know when Richard Dreyfus types the you know um, people have those times and the last final word of his of his script is you know Jesus who does have, like have mates like times like that and I always remember my mate Alex getting really emotional about it and I'm kind of like okay it's something's obviously resonating with this film. Now, having seen it, um, you know, obviously I've seen, I saw it quite a lot, but now watching it again, for me, there's, you know, Amanda hasn't seen it, like, ever. There's there's gaps for me, so it's good for me. It's, I find it really good to go back and watch these films. What, bits you've forgotten? Well, it's not the bits... Uh, I, I guess it's just like going and seeing old friend bits and you just fall in. Films. Yeah, well, I know the podcast, the podcast title <laughs> might be changed to films Amanda hasn't seen and, and, and Charlie wants to just... Fill in the gaps memory. of his memory. <laughs> it's not <Yeah>. snappy. Snappy. <laughs> Very good. Um, uh, I'm going to give Stand By Me an 8. Oh, it's stronger. I'm going to give it an 8. I'm going to give it an 8 because it's, cause it's good. It deserves its place in 
80s films it's you know it's and again it's not people's first choice of when they think about 80s films but there's a lot of love for it out there and I'm you know I, I guess that's one of the reasons why we did that it's because the same way they do Ferris Bueller you talk to when we did the Ferris Bueller podcast you talk to people and they go oh yeah and they kind of do that like I don't really remember it that much but yeah I'm just playing along mm. um, and I guess this might have just fall into me, that category though. again if you said the goo, is the Goonies or you know Back to the Future or Indiana Jones? Everyone go, oh yeah, it's brilliant. I've seen the last two. The last two. You haven't seen the Goonies. No. You didn't. You didn't like it, did you? Well, it wasn't really that. We might lose a lot of listeners uh, by by actually. Well, I didn't watch the whole film. I mean, I'm not a fan. Watched it like okay, full disclosure. Both of us were not fans of the Goonies. I just don't see it. I guess I just didn't see it at the time. I was too busy watching other films. <gasps> yeah, but you know, it's yeah. just. I know probably um, my mate Dom's listening at this mo- at this point, and he's going right. That's it. Not any. I never listen to Christmas this again. List. Well, the Christmas list. Uh, you know, I might be banned from the quiz this Saturday. So, who knows? We're, who knows? But anyway, like back to the film. So, uh, for those people who don't know what Stand by Me is about, it is basically a story of four friends that um, live in a small town called Castle Rock. We'll get to that in the trivia time of where Castle Rock fits into everything, trivia point time. I will actually say there will be a lot of lots of things explained in the trivia time, so it might be a little bit trivia time heavy because there's some good things in there. Okay. There were 12 pages of trivia when it came to it, so you ha- I really had to wheedle it down, but I think I've nailed the ones that, that are actually... Um, relevant to this. Okay, so four mates then. I so, thought they were quite diverse in their sort of upbringing and backgrounds. They were, and each one of them, you know, it's kind of like in a way, you know, when you say, when they say when you watch The Breakfast Club, you identify with one of the, mm. the people in that. I, I don't know if that's true, Stand By Me. I don't probably haven't looked at it in the way that forensic, <clears throat> forensic examination that I've given The Breakfast Club, but I mean... Yeah, I mean, there's something in there for everyone. There's, you know, there's the, the, the calm, the level-headed one, you know, the quite sensitive one. That would be um, Will Wheaton. Um, then you've got River Phoenix, the one who's basically had such a hard upbringing yeah. all the time. Um, and he's it's, it's cast, it's castigated because of his, the family that he's come from. Absolutely. I mean, and, he's, and he's, he's been tarnished he's since he was born. the same brush, yeah. yeah. So he's, unless he gets out of the town, he will never... Accomplish what he probably he'll just basically turn into his dad. He'll turn into his parents, and then you know. If and he that has... was a big fear of his in, in, in his character. Yeah, he was self-aware enough to know that that you know this is a possibility that something that could happen. Um, but then next to Corey Feldman, who played uh, Teddy Duchamp, um, he was a wild card, wasn't he? Oh, he was just. I mean, you know, literally, you just don't. You Someone don't know where his character's going. Of, uh, you don't know whether to laugh with him. All of Vern's cherry pears, by looks of things. <laughs> Vern's cherry pears. We'll get to that. And then we've got Vern. I mean, Vern is the most... He's the lovable character in this, and, and you know, and quite rightly, because he's hes just a, he's just a nice kid, mm. you know. Um, anyway, but they, they, they do have their different... They definitely have their different personalities when you see it at the start. In, in fact, the film actually opens up with uh, Will Wheaton's character, um, older who's sitting there in his van um, and he's watching kids go past and he's played by Richard Dreyfuss mm. um, and, and he stars as the, as the narrator in all of this 
So basically, whenever there's a and you know a segue that's needed, an explanation to be hap- you know happening, you'd hear Richard Jones's voice, mm-hmm. but you don't see him. You see him at the start, you see him at the end. You don't see him in between because he's relaying the story. Um, um, and it's sad, really, because you know he's he's looking at a um, a headline where he sees um, Attorney General uh, stabbed in stabbed in a restaurant. So, so basically dies and stabbed in a restaurant. So the, the district attorney, which is actually River Phoenix's character, mm. it's Chris Chambers, and and the film starts with that. So it says before we even go any further, I've got to tell you where he's coming from, who this is, and and what is you know his possible motivation for this story. Uh, it's not early trivia time, don't worry. But it's based on a Stephen King story called The Body. A novella. Um, and that's part of a series of short stories, which we'll get to in trivia time, because it, it sparked one of the, when you ask people what their favourite film in the 90s was, people usually say this film. So stay tuned, because we'll get to that bit in trivia time. But it was also part of that novel. Anyway, they all meet in a treehouse. You see how these the they all interact with each other, and oh, it is smoking. quite... Oh, smoking. Playing cards, smoking. It's supposed to be summer in 1959. I think mm. they got the the tone of the film quite right, actually. For, yeah. For that. Yeah. I mean, the film. Probably Keith just... Sutherland's hair wasn't probably quite right mm. for the time. It was a bit kind of Lost Boys-ish, but. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, they 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 do capture it, and you see how they 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 all intertwine. I think it's probably a good time to to actually do roll call. So if we do roll call, then we can get into the film a little bit more. All right. And then move into trivia time. So. Let's move on to a roll call. Roll call. Roll call. Roll call. Good roll call. Where do you want to start with this one? Who do you want to start with? Um, I'm going to let you direct roll call. Oh, I don't know who, who we're actually going to be talking about. Well, that's the problem. Well, we've got. I've got five. Oh, five I've of the got people. four. Okay. It's, it's, play, oh, it's, it's like roll call play, trumps. Play your cards Name right. five. Okay. Oh, no, I've got oh. the director as well because the director is important. It's um, very important in this okay, one. Okay then. I don't mind. Let's go with Vern. Let's go with Vern. Vern is Jerry O'Connell. So if you look at Vern in this film, he's short, dumpy kid, and um, you know, full of full of life, full of innocence. I don't really know, but now if you Google Jerry O'Connell then, and you Google Jerry O'Connell now you wouldn't know you were looking at the same person. No, absolutely. I know, I showed you afterwards and you were it's like... very dashing, isn't it's it? It's very, yeah, well, I gather you would say that, yeah. Um, I'm not quite sure about the goatee thing, beard thing going on there. Well, it's surprisingly, he didn't He didn't do a lot, but this is this is one for the ner- nerd fans because he, he did star in a TV series called Sliders. It was a science fiction TV thing and I didn't see it. I haven't watched it. There's plenty that I haven't watched uh, and I really would you know like what? to watch. I've what? not seen it. <laughs> no, I gather you know. You won't have seen the uh, sitcom he was in called Carpoolers, which was uh, four years nope. ago. Nope. That was quite funny. That was really funny. Um, he's the voice of Superman in a lot of the later animated. Oh, okay. So, um, uh, you know, I guess Joe from Nerd Alert, if you're listening, you'll be going, oh, well, that's the first thing I thought about. So, but yeah. I can um, do an impression of Joe. I really can't do an impression of Joe because uh, no, he I can't. Like that. No, no, he doesn't. No, Joe, <laughs> Joe, just offended Joe, Joe, all our I've just American offended you. friends Sorry. and listeners. Um, I could try. Anyway, right, let's not. Let's do, leave it there. Um, he's in Jerry. Do you remember Jerry Maguire? 
vaguely. Okay, he was in there. It was Frank Cushman, the Cush. Mm, no. Yeah? No. He's a football player. No? No. All right, okay. I haven't seen it um, for years. All right, okay. Well, how about one he would be in? Billions. He was in the last series. It was in the last third season of Billions. He played one of the millionaires, one of the business people. Nope. Right. Okay. Well, it's obviously... <laughs> Quite memorable let's, then. Let's move on. Yeah. In fact, let's move on in order of what you won't know. Uh, so, next um, is Will Wheaton. Yeah. Now, I could tell you, um, I could go through some of Will Wheaton's films. I mean, I did. Do you know who he reminds me of? Who is... Who? who? One of the guys of Stranger Things. I've got the... the that's probably a compliment. Character's name, the one that gets taken over by the upside down. Hmm. Yeah, it reminds me of him. Well, Will Wheaton will forever be famous for. Sorry, Will, if you're listening to this podcast, I know you're probably um, quite accomplished in a lot of areas, so I express my ignorance. But you will always be Wesley Crusher from Star Trek, so the next generation. Um, Don't even ask me. Okay. Uh, basically Beverly Crusher the doctor on Star Trek this that's, this was her son and he was on board as well um, a lot of people probably thought he was uh, you know not suited for the, the role or whatever or didn't didn't produce a, a good role I thought he was brilliant and I thought as he grew into the series and, he, and it got better um, he was he was great when he went to Starfleet Academy it all changed for him and I think he did some genuinely good acting real, in it know. well there's no Starfleet Academy there might be <laughs> it's all made up how do you know it's all made up. Oh, see, that sounds like a conspiracy mm. theorist to me. See, somebody who didn't like Starfleet. So, um, in order, uh, so Corey Feldman. So Teddy, can you give me any film that he's been in? Because you would have seen. He was. He was in the documentary. Three of them about Michael Jackson, wasn't he? <laughs> Corey, Corey, I do apologise for Amanda if you are listening. Wasn't he? If that's your, if that's what your, that's the first thing that comes into your head. Was he in the documentary? I haven't even seen the documentary, Michael Jackson. Oh. Well, wasn't there some kind of a scandal about... I've no idea. We probably should stop here because I don't think it's... I think you might have the wrong Corey. Oh. Maybe. I don't I don't think he was, if he was. But anyway, oh, okay. let's let's not bring this podcast to a, a crushing halt while we get sued and <laughs> the house taken off us. Um, Corey Feldman. Okay. Gremlins. He was Billy's brother nope. in Gremlins. Okay. He's in The Goonies, of course. Uh, he was in uh, The Lost Boys. Mm. The two Corys, Corey Haim, Corey Feldman. The two of them together in the 80s. Oh, with Blooming Keith Sutherland as well? Yes. Oh. There you go. See? Okay. Oh, it's very. it could be very uh, cross-linked in the 80s. Yes. You know, we'll just put people together. Um, but on this one, I have to uh, say that he was in The Burbs with Tom Hanks. Do you ever watch The Burbs? No. It's a good film. and It's on the list. It's on the list for us to do. Um, it's a great film. Anyway, is that 80s? Um, it is. Uh, oh. Just. I think it's 1989. Um, but I do advise you to check out Licence to Drive, which is a, a favourite of mine. It's one of those films that if I showed Amanda the trailer, she'd go, oh, I'm not doing that. But it is worth watching because I, I thoroughly love Licence to Drive. I wore out my VHS copy of it. Um, and also a little known film called Dream a Little Dream. So if either of those are on Netflix or streaming or something like that, Licence to Drive, if it's Sunday afternoon, you've got nothing else to do, it'll cheer you up, if nothing else. Uh, leading up, River. if I said River Phoenix, can you give me something? 
heroin overdose. Oh dear. Right. Okay. Well, yes, it's true. Uh, I, I don't. I think it was a drug. I think it was a. I don't know if it's heroin, but it I was heroin and cocaine. Was it? Okay. Yes. You should never mix your drinks. Well, no, um, apparently it's it's a better way to take it. But there we go. Okay. Well, I, not that I would know that. I'm uh, oblivious to that, and I wouldn't have anything <laughs> any frame of reference to go with. Um, River Phoenix. Uh, he d- he does do good. He does do like those little indie films. A Day in the Life of Jimmy Reardon is a great film uh, to check out. But he did star in some mainstream films. He was young Indiana Jones in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Mm. So the the bit at the start where he, you find out why he hates snakes, where he's going across the train, that's River Phoenix. Pulls off Harrison Ford quite well, I may add. Pardon? No, well, not in that sense, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Uh... Uh, started in a film called Sneakers with Robert Redford, um, which is really worth checking out if you haven't seen it. All right, okay, <laughs> it's not that funny. Sorry, yeah, right, um, but I really should check out probably where he got his good Harrison Ford impression from was a film called The Mosquito Coast. And if you ever remember it, have you ever watched it? No. No. Okay. Um, he stars in it with uh, Harrison Ford and Helen Mirren. Um, and basically Harrison Ford is wants to take his family off to go and thinks America's been invaded, thinks America is going to pot. And so basically takes all, all the family to the Mosquito Coast, this place where they live with, you know, in, like with a local tribe. With and it all, goes, it all goes wrong. There are probably plenty of mosquitoes there. But yeah, um, definitely. Please check out the Mosquito Coast. It's brilliant. Harrison Ford's amazing in it. But, so, if I said to you, let's I go to the obvious Helen one. Helen Mirren isn't bad herself. Oh, Helen Mirren's great in it. Yeah. I mean, everyone's great in it. I, I'd, I'd happily watch The Mosquito Coast again, definitely. Um, so, Kiefer Sutherland. If I said to you Kiefer Sutherland, what are you going to give me? Flatliners. Oh, great. This We could play Kiefer Sutherland bingo, what's on my list. Flat, flat, flatliners, yes. Flat, flat, flatliners. No, flatliners, just flatliners. Um... The obvious um, one. Well, you've already mentioned one. 24, of them. yeah. Oh, and another one. Lost Boys. Lost Boys. Uh, oh, I feel like I'm being quizzed now. Oh, I thought you'd get Twin Peaks Fire Walk with me, where he plays the agent at the start. Oh, no. Mm, Stanley. He plays Stanley. Uh, the oh. agent Stanley, who's oh, with feel... Chris, Chris Isaac at the start. Oh. Remember David Lynch? He's doing his meet, meets the woman at the airport. That's who he's meeting off the plane. He's meeting Kiefer Sutherland. Ah. Um, uh, designated Survivor. He's recently been in. Um, no. Yeah, I started watching. I need to keep going back to that. Uh, do you remember in A Few Good Men? Where he played the the colonel that was basically Jack Nicholson's right hand. Not the colonel. The the sergeant. He was uh, Jack Nicholson's right hand man. Was that with man. Demi Moore and... Yeah, Demi Moore, um, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Yeah. See, I watched that one. <gasps> See? See, it's got, it it's got a heartthrob heart in it. it. She's she's all over it. But anyway, <laughs> um, if I said to you, Rob, finally, if done roll call, we'll be here for, for forever. Um, Rob Reiner. What films is Rob Reiner famous for? He's, fa- he's famous as an actor, but I just couldn't. You know, I thought we'd I thought we'd get here and I'd run out of time. So, Rob Reiner. Who he? Director. Let's let's focus on his directing. No idea. She says, looking over my shoulder. We're trying to not shoulder sort of whatever um, well he directed not in any order The Princess Bride 
a film I keep getting told we should cover. Not seen it. Oh, I I love it. I wonder how many times I've said no, I've not seen it in this. Podcast. Well, let's go down. Let's just go down this list, shall we? Okay, then, go on then. Uh, this is Spinal Tap. I think I've actually watched that. You know, oh, that was on telly. And I found it hilarious because I thought, oh, it's a it's a documentary about uh, a rock uh, band. Yeah, well, I bought the Blu-ray recently, and I haven't watched it. It's, <laughs> oh, no. a, it's a fake. It's a fake. It's good, very good. I thought it was hilarious. I must have only been probably about fifteen, sixteen when I watched that. Okay, that's good. But there's one for the list. Yeah, yeah. Um, the sure thing. I know you haven't watched it, but you saw the trailer for it, the one with John Cusack in. So uh, you can see there's John Cusack. John Cusack's in. Uh, the uh, Stand By Me but we did John Cusack in the last one so we, that's why we're not mentioning him in Roll Call but Rob Reiner had just directed John Cusack as the lead in Sure Thing okay. come out of that and done, gone straight into Stand By Me and said oh I'll take John Cusack with me mm. and he can play the older brother mm. which we'll get to in a, in a, get to in a moment um, The American President with Michael Douglas great film love 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 that film he directed A Few Good Men as well so he's taking people with him again uh he directed Misery, so we've got another Stephen King, and we'll get to why he directed Misery um, in a moment. But is that the one probably where oh, okay. they are kept in a hotel? Well, I wouldn't call it a hotel, it's a house where she ties him up, but yes. Yeah. What's the face? Kathy Bates. That's the one. With James Kahn. Yeah. She or with the ankle scene. Things. Let's not talk about the ankle scene, it makes me, uh, makes me go funny. Okay. Um, but uh, Rob Reimer is most famous for directing When Harry Met Sally uh, of which he stars in it he stars in the Billy Crystal's uh, good friend that he talks to so he's actually oh, in it as well okay there we go a, a rather did you write the theme tune elongated roll call <laughs> okay so back to the uh, Back to the film. So, they embark on this journey because they get told that there is a dead body that is probably a day and a half's walk away, roughly. The way that they try and calculate it, they mm. get told. And the reason they get told is because <laughs> Vern is looking for his jar of pennies that he buried underneath the house. And while he's there, he overhears his brother, who's one of the local hoods, that's, you know, hoods, uh, the local gang, um, who Kiefer Sutherland is uh, the basically leader. The, the leader of. Yeah. Uh, the leader of the gang. Um, so yeah, he overhears him. So, um, it's, you know, as soon as he sees that, he can't he, he, he can't keep this in because he's basically like, he's telling them in the treehouse, we need to go and do this. We need to go and see the, you know, we need to go and see the dead body. It, you know, it's an adventure for them. It's an excitement for them. And, you know, it's pretty much sort of starts to, starts to define what it is that they're doing even at the start of the, them going to do it even the start of them with their journey because they all try and um, you know uh, get together you know uh, so um, Will Wheaton's character um, and River Phoenix's character who are quite close with each other they're yeah. the two closest characters to each other um, when they embark on the journey you find out that River Phoenix's character has brought a gun He's basically stolen off his dad and said, and and, and uh, Will Wheaton says, why, why have you got that? Uh, and he said, well, my dad won't notice. He just, he wouldn't even notice the bullets have gone because um, 
he would have been thought he just shot the beer cans when he was drunk. So, you, but you're getting an you're starting to get an insight into his life. It's like he's using his rationale. Well, I'll just take the gun because I'm sure we need it at some point. Um, you know, Will Wheaton's character is 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 quite sad because um, his brother, paid by John Cusack, had basically um, is, is called Dennis. He basically died in a jeep accident. Um, and, and he's like known he kind of feels and, and kind of tells himself like he's the invisible boy because his parents are still mourning <clears throat> it's still quite fresh for them um, and his parents have just switched off because their their you know that their favorite son has died and now they can't believe that they're left with him well he was good at American football wasn't he was he? good at football he was good at everything and, and, it was and, he, and his dad was really sort of like you know pushing him and driving him forward and stuff but his dad never really gave um, Gordy Will Wheaton's character mm. uh, a look in really because he didn't have a passion for mm. sport his dad didn't really want to know so he, his, his passion was writing and it was never really recognised in the family apart from like his big brother who who actually encouraged him to keep writing and and really his brother is extremely supportive i mean his, his brother should have been his dad effectively uh, well his brother was his dad and when he, he loses his brother he's he's lost that kind of proper male role model who supports and and nurtures a talent Cause, and, and cause, that is so sad because you have two versions of him you have the version where um the brother's not around and then when the brother is around mm. and when the two of them are together just in a private moment as you say he's encouraging him yeah. but when they're at the dinner table with the mum and dad you see that the dad is just totally focused on John is just focused on Dennis he's just focused on John Cusack and John Cusack has to actually direct the conversation back to going yeah. oh Gordy wrote a good story the other day do you want to do you want to tell it and his parents just like literally aren't interested so you know, John Cusack really, as we said this before, he's a guy that can turn his hand to pretty much everything. But yeah, he plays a he plays a really warm, friendly character in this, and you just think, you know, that's a real sadness that it's been mm. lost. But I don't think uh, coming on to that, I don't, just finishing with that. Sorry, I don't think his parents ever ever even stopped for one minute to think of the effect upon Gordy of losing his brother. No. I, think, I mean, even the dad goes, it should have been you. Oh, I mean, even said that's a horrible moment in the film because you're kind of like, well, I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody that would say that to their child. I, I just think it's just, I just think it's horrible. But so, so we do have this, off they go. Um, they pack in what they they could. Um, they forget the food. They forget the food and they forget the, they bring the water, but they forget the food. Um <laughs> But as they're making the way, they're, they're actually trying to, um, they're actually trying to find their, uh, they're trying to find the way, and they're going to use the train tracks in order to get there because, mm. the, the 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 way that it's been told is, the boy has been hit because he hit the train tracks. He was walking on the train tracks, and he got hit. So he's somewhere off these train tracks. Um, unfortunately, they get a part way into it and realise that they haven't got any food, so they all club their money together yeah, <laughs> they, get, like, they get back like a dollar yeah like a dollar sixty or something um, and suddenly they realise that they've got to take a diversion to get to the, the you know the, the store to get some things 
you know, some supplies because it's going to take them a couple of days to do it. They've all made their excuses, by the way. They've all said they're staying at each other's house and, and all that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, so off they go. But the, the bit that's there is there's still these two boys in the gang that know about this, the ones that Vern overhears, and they are itching to tell... One of them is itching to tell Kiefer Sutherland to try and get some sort of status in the gang. And the other one is like, can't tell him. You can't tell him about it. So you, there's these flashbacks to Kiefer Sutherland's thing whereby you just think they're about to tell him. Um, and it, then nothing happens and it just and it just sort of peters out. Well, it's, it's almost like they want to kind of get the kudos factor and be on telly. Mm. <laughs> For when they do all the reporting and like it will be those people are interviewed on mm. who found the body mm. so they're, they're, they're kind of getting it doing it for a little bit of personal fame and and sort of recognition which is just horrendous mm. really yeah absolutely think about it, someone's died yeah absolutely um we've definitely got uh we we have a an issue where uh teddy's uh, so cory feldman's character Teddy stands in the middle of... As they are diverting, take this diversion, he stands on the train track while, while an oncoming train's coming um, and basically tries to ape his dad, who died, apparently, died on the beaches of Normandy. Um, and he's, he's obviously got this very... Um, psychological... Self-destruction. Yeah, it's mm. just... It's pretty much, you know, you are seeing... You, that shouldn't be happening in a kid and you, you're, you're basically living it with him he gets as he gets pushed out of the way at the, you know, the final bit by River Phoenix so that the train doesn't hit him he then starts like kicking off and badly I mean he's really angry he's probably and he's affected shouting, because he's really his dad's affected. his dad's probably what we would call had post-traumatic stress disorder yeah but he gets sent off to a mental hospital mm. and, and I guess that was like really affected him as, as, a, as a young boy so he it almost is if people are telling him oh you're the the kid whose dad's gone mental yeah absolutely you must be mental it's almost like he's he's adopted that as part of an identity so he if people tell you often enough you start to believe it yourself don't you absolutely so i think he he's got that sort of mentality that oh my dad's gone mad I really, but he really loved his dad. He really loved his dad, and I think despite the fact, even the narrator saying at the time we introduced to him that his dad held Eddie, Eddie's head to a stove. Yeah, I mean, burnt literally, yeah, you know, tried to burn his ear. That's the reason he's got that that scarred for life. Yeah, yet he still has this, you know, um, hero worship of his dad, yeah. and it's just it just really doesn't match up. But. Anyway, they're, so they're really good characters, though. When you they think are about good it, characters. They? they, you know, they all the, the mixed sort of backgrounds that they've all got. I think is really gives the, gives the film the depth that it needs. Because otherwise, it'd just be four boys going to look for a body. Yeah, but you're you're seeing the inter- you know that that it's not like they just met. They're, they've known each other for you know they've all grown up together because this is a, this is a small town. But you know they go through they go through a junkyard. You know, and, the, and there's a <laughs> There's a dog there. I they spend the, an, an ordinary amount of, the of time at the junkyard just they, mucking about just mucking when about, they should be thinking, just like getting on getting on the train tracks and walking. Absolutely. I uh, do you remember the dog's name? No. Well, the the, the, the junk the, the guy that's going to the junkyard, they've there's this dog. Um and I've forgotten the name of it, but 
every time you say sick something, it used to be like a part of the body. So sick leg, uh, sick would just mean bite, basically. Um, but they, the, the thing going around all the kids is that this every time he said it, if he says sick balls, then the dog's going to go straight, straight with the balls. So there's a run-in with the junkyard dog, which we won't um, go into because obviously we've got to fit a bit of trivia time in here. But, you know, you've got the... Um, I think because Will Wheaton is the person who has to go to the store to get the yeah. supplies, even the shop owner. Um, there's there's the sadness in this film, the sadness that follows Gordy's character around, Will Wheaton's character around. He goes into the store, and then the store, the person, the store manager recognizes him, and he's like, "I'm really sad. I'm really sorry about your brother." And but the sadness, there's even sadness in the store owner, and it's kind of like that's kind of like follows him around. I suppose um, if you're from a small town and you'd got such a talented football player mm. that it, it was, you know, a big thing at the time, you know, mm. supposedly 1959, it's going yeah, to be yeah. quite a big thing, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we have the, probably the most famous thing in Stand By Me. They get back on the train tracks after they do this and uh, they have to go over a, a train a bridge, train tracks over a bridge. Um as they start walking across, it's kind of like, well, what if a train comes? It's all right, a train's not going to come. Well, halfway across, a train does come. Um, so that's the famous iconic shot that, that you see, mm-hmm. whereby they're trying to... So you basically got Vern's character, Will Wheaton's character, River Phoenix and Corey Feldman have made it already. The, the, the f- frightening thing for me, I always have a fear of it anyway. I don't like bridges, walking over bridges. But the fear factor for me is because, like, the train tracks... The, the I've forgotten what they call now. What are the slats? The slats. Yeah, it's not solid. Yeah, there's so gaps in between gaps. The, the slats. And one of them falls into the oh, gap. Oh God! At some point. That'd be my worst nightmare. <laughs> well, well. One of them. Oh, wait, is it um, Vern? Vern's on his hands and knees, isn't he? Yeah, because he he just can't he bear just with can't it. He just can't deal with it. And he's it. he's at the back. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but a train comes because Gordy's character keeps keeps touching the train track and then kind of like, and then halfway realises that he's feeling the vibrations of a train coming. You see the puff of smoke and it turns around the corner. Um, obviously they make it, but it's a very good shot. I mean, the graphics are, you know, the effects are really shonky compared to, you know, um, modern day effects at the time but I guess it's quite a hard shot to pull off really and mm. um, you've got a lot of good camera shots whereby you see the head on the boys running towards the camera and you see the train behind you know in effect that's 60 feet behind mm. them but it's a really good camera shot so it's a bit like the the camera shot well not really but a bit like the camera shot in Jaws yeah where Jaws. Um, I know I have to get that name <laughs> I've just I've just got the um, how new... long does it take before you mention Jaws I, well, I have, I've hardly mentioned Jaws <laughs> in any of the podcasts my new 4K box set um, has arrived and I just can't wait to see it. Um, I'm not rushing this podcast because we won't be watching it tonight, but I do want to see it in all its glory. I do want a little uh, little look. Anyway. Um, I, I think if they were making that scene now, not Jaws, but the, the, the rail... Oh, well, they'd CGI something. it to, to they'd existence. They'd CGI it or they'd even get drones involved now, wouldn't they? Probably you'd have this sweeping shot where yeah. it'd, it'd be nearly or get blue to the screened or whatever. Like yeah. The the other famous thing from Stand by Me would be they all get sit around a campfire and, and pressure Gordy into telling them a story that he <laughs> that he'd written. So uh, 
he tells them a story about a pie eating contest and probably the the least the least said about that is eating eating you know they say castor oil that's cast, all you need ca- to say castor oil and a pie eating contest and you can g- give the rest we'll get to that and bit, castor bit oil pies revenge hmm. there you go yeah that sums it up um there's, it gets quite deep at this point because there's, there's, you know, we we then cut back. You know, there's the fireside chat. You've got that that virtuoso. I mean, I can't believe I'm saying it. You know, from a from a teenager, but you've got this virtuoso performance from River Phoenix yeah. where he just completely loses it. He's breaking. You know, he's breaking. He's not breaking down in the sense of he's having like a a breakdown in the same way that Teddy is. But he's he's he, he he's struggling with the fact that he knows exactly how his life is going to be mopped, mapped out. Mm. He knows what's that. He it's almost like I can't do anything about it. So, but you can. So he's 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 kind of like being Dennis, his brother, yeah. to Will Wheaton, saying, "Do you know what? You can do this." So. I think that's an exceptional scene. I mean, it's oh, the it's highlight. Amazing. It's the highlight of there. But we'll, as I say, we'll get to that that bit in trivia time. Anyway, Kiefer Sutherland gets told these two goons finally blab it out, and so Kiefer Sutherland goes, "Right, get in the car. We're going to go up there, and we're going to find the body ourselves, and we're going to go and do it." Meanwhile, the boys are getting close um, to the body. Um, as they get there, they have to go through a river, which is quite a funny scene because they walk <laughs> they walk into this like river. And they say, well, test it. And as they walk, they all walk, they all walk, and suddenly the river goes deep and they all fall in. <laughs> but then, this, and this is a very strange point in the film, you've also got... you also got the, the fact that... Um, there's, le- there's leeches attached to them. Hmm. But suddenly it takes a really dark turn. Because you've got Will Wheaton really scared of the fact... You've got Gordy's really characters, scared of the fact these leeches are on him. I wouldn't like it. And there's even a leech, you know, down... On his privates. On his privates, which is like... And, you know, he's he's really losing it. After this has happened and everybody's there, um, it's it's Teddy, isn't it, that goes... Is it Teddy that goes and sees the deer? No, it's Will. Is it Will? Is it... Yeah. Is it Gordy that goes, that goes off the train but, track? That, that, that's not then. I thought it was then. That's before they go camping. All right, okay. It, it, he he goes to treasure. He sees a deer, and they they lock a gaze with each other for quite a while until the the deer runs off. We'll get to that in a moment. Um, it's a bit like the unicorn in Blade Runner, but we'll get to that. Um, anyway, the they find the body. Um, uh, Will Wheaton uh, takes takes the basically Kiefer Southern comes because we're taking the body. I can't believe you didn't tell us all this sort of stuff and. You know, pretty much, um, Kiefer Sutherland tries to bully them in it and said, we're taking it. Gets his knife out and says, well, I'll go through you with a knife. Um, Gordy takes the gun out of River Phoenix's bag, um, holds it against Kiefer Sutherland and does not look like a kid that isn't afraid to use it. Mm-hmm. He looks like he genuinely would have pulled the trigger at that point. Kiefer Sutherland is kind of like second-guessing him and like, what's going to happen here. So... Um, that's a very pow- there's powerful scenes in it. I might do you know what I'm going to say it's a strong eight because I'm sitting here reliving it again, even though I've watched it. it, it the performances are just incredible. Kiefer Sutherland plays 
exactly how you say Keith Sutton plays the leader of a gang that really doesn't have any respect for anybody mm. um, and that's exactly the performance it's given so yeah strong gate and we'll change it and I think at that scene as well the, the, the plan for the boys like the younger boys the lads um, was that they were going to get a stretcher together and take mm. the body home yeah but Gordy then says no the best thing to do is just let them be at peace yeah so covers the body up so it's almost like the days that yeah, they the, the spent together has, has changed them and they do and then they walk back you know I think they followed the train tracks all the way this time but, but it really affects him doesn't it because it brings back his that's it because he never cried when his brother died mm. he then lets it all out yeah oh okay might be mild eight mild nine at this rate we keep going <laughs> We might, we might talk ourselves into the uh, talk ourselves into. No, it. I still think it's a good eight. It's okay, good I'm eight. gonna go. I'm gonna go good eight. Um, so, that. yeah, uh, that's that's the film, and then they they go back. But we'll cover uh, a bit more. I in, would like to say though, con- continuity Sorry. when they went through the river, and uh, they did did all the leech stuff, mm. and then. They put the clothes back on, and the clothes are miraculously dry. That's it, yeah, dry surplus. Well, there's bound to be something. I even pointed that out to you when we were watching the film. It was like, the clothes are all dry. How did that happen? Mm. Hmm. Anyway, there we go. We used to do that in the early days of the podcast. If you go back and listen to it, oh, we God, basically yeah. just took the film to pieces. to pieces. But, um, oh, like Prometheus. Not Prometheus. Prometheus? Oh, God, I always get that mixed up. <laughs> well, what, you get Leviathan. Prometheus oh, mixed up with one of Santa's reindeer, Prancer? No, Leviathan. Oh. The, the oh, we took bad yeah, we, yeah, we took the, the I think we get more feedback thing. doing this. I think it's a good. Th- I think it's a good format we've got yeah, here. Yeah, it's good. No I one mean, wants to sit and listen to a well rubbish film being people retold, do sweetheart. Do we do have twenty-seven hardcore <laughs> listeners. So do you know what? That's enough. I'm doing it for you, listeners. I love you all. Anyway, uh, it's time for trivia time. Trivia time. There's a lot to get through in trivia time. This was a, a, a certificate 15, by the way. Uh, it should have well, it should have been. It probably would be 12 now. I didn't look up. No, it was 15. Was it 15? Yeah. Did you look up the Rotten Tomato score? 91%. And user? I don't know. It okay. just had 91%, 91%. against it. That, that fits That's in. That's probably right, isn't it? Yeah, that's I mean, saying if, it's a good well, nine. A strong, that says it's a good nine, isn't it? it? No, that says it's a... It's a Oh, yeah, because it would be, yeah, it would work back. That's right, yeah, yeah, it would be. Anyway, trivia time. <laughs> um, so, uh, when Rob Reiner screened the movie for Stephen King, he basically said he noticed that Stephen King was shaking. He wasn't speaking at the end of it. Um, he left the room, and on his return, uh, Stephen King told Rob Reiner that the movie was the best adaptation of his work he had ever seen. Now, to put that into context, we had had Firestarter, we'd had Carrie, We'd have, we'd have Kudjo, we'd have Christine, you know, from Stephen King, we'd have Salem's Lot, which is a, which is a really good, you know, to, it's not, so to then say the best adaptation of my work isn't necessarily the horror film, it's a short story that I wrote, you know, one of my novels that sold millions in the 80s, and still does, I mean, he's still a very uh, respected, well, he's brilliant, really. Um, so he said it was the best adaptation of his work he'd ever seen. Mm. I don't know if that ever stuck, but I, that's, High praise, really, to, from, to come from there. Um, Keith Sutherland claimed in an interview that in one of the locations of the film, 
a renaissance fair was being held and the cast and crew attended and bought some cookies. Unfortunately, the cookies turned out to be pop cookies. And two hours later, the crew found Jerry O'Connell, Vern, crying and high on the cookies somewhere in the park. <laughs> so they eventually found him. He was just a mess because he'd taken these pop cookies. Oh, my God. I know. I thought that was good. But we'll get to the antics of the... the uh, there. So, in the campfire scene that we talked about, in which um, Chris, basically, um, River Phoenix breaks down, Rob Reiner was sure that he could do better. So he asked him to think of a time in his own life when an adult had let him down and used that in the scene, uh, which Phoenix did. Um, he got so upset and crying, um, he had to be comforted by the director afterwards. The, Rob Reiner said, I went, I went too far in my direction on this because I, I got I, I got the performance, got but at much. what cost? Yeah. Exactly. Um, the result of that isn't a deleted scene. That's what you see in the film. The bit where he's worked up, which is why it's so such a powerful scene. Right. So it's not like, oh, well, let's reshoot that and let's don't don't Carve do it as down much. A bit, yeah. He goes, well, I've got to use that, and rightly so. Well, it's raw, isn't it? Well, it is, and yeah, as I say, um, Corey Feldman has stated in several interviews that all the characters he's played, Teddy was actually the closest to his personality and personal life at the time. Yeah. Well, well, make of that what you will, because I mean, what, what we probably haven't gone into is. T- t- Teddy's character is quite funny. He's kind of like wants to be the sort of Chandler of the group. I know that's a bad reference, isn't it? Because well, we've got friends in my head. But he, he wants to be the funny one. He wants to be the person that's, you know, always funny and all this sort of thing. And and, and almost like never serious. But when, when he does have his breakdowns, when he does have his moments in his episodes, they are so far the other way that, they, that there's absolutely zero relation between them. So I I don't know what he means by that, and I'm sure I probably could have done a bit of digging on that. Mm. Um, The boys, as we will call them, the four of them, got into much mischief in the hotel where Mm. they were staying during filming. This included throwing all the poolside furniture into the pool. Um, Will Wheaton uh, fixed the video games in the lobby, so he opened them up and fixed them so that you uh, could play them for free. Oh, ace. Uh, Which I think is very inventive, what they were doing at the time. Um, and River Phoenix was spurred on by the other boys and unknowingly covered Kiefer Sutherland's car in mud. How was he unknowingly? Well, because probably, he probably didn't know it was Kiefer Sutherland. He knew it was Kiefer Sutherland's car. Only <laughs> discovering whose car it was when Sutherland confronted a scared and very nervous River Phoenix about it later. <laughs> now, I'd be pretty scared of Jack Bauer. I'm pretty scared of most characters that Kiefer Sutherland's played, probably apart from Agent Stanley in Twin Peaks. But... <laughs> if a very mad Kiefer Sutherland came for me, yeah, I'd be I'd be a bit because uh, he, he plays that sort of character. He might get his dad. Um, in a in an interview by Stephen King in the special features section of the DVD, um, he reveals that the scene with the leeches, which is straight from his novella, so not not the novel, right. it's in the short stories, actually happened to him when he was a child. Oh God, not on his private. Well, again, I didn't go into that that far. Uh-huh. Uh, to keep in character while off camera, Kiefer Sutherland often picked on all of them. He was just he he kept in character while he was not filming. Oh God! So the kids must have been like. No wonder they put mud on his car. Fright, then. Exactly, in front of them. Well, I don't think they knew that at the time because I was doing Felix. But anyway, uh, Rob Reiner, who was an avid non-smoker, campaigned for anti-smoking laws in California. 
um, made sure that the cigarettes smoked by the boys were made from cabbage leaves. They weren't real cigarettes. They were just cabbage leaves. And it's probably probably not still inhaling smoke. Well, I don't think they were inhaling as well. I think it was just cabbage leaves and and whatever. Um, But while practising his line, Jerry O'Connell was impressed that as an 11-year-old, he was allowed to swear. (laughs) So you can imagine Vern is going, this role's great. I'm allowed to swear. It's amazing. It's really good. So as we said, the uh, shot that they used to get the... um, For all those people who are into, into shots... When Gordy and Vern are running towards the camera in the train behind them, the train was actually at the far end of the trestle with the two actors on the opposite end. They used a, a 600mm long focus lens when shot at the telephoto end, compressed the image so much it just made it look like the train was right there, right behind them. Oh, thanks for that. Um, the one thing that we didn't mention is um, John Cusack's character had given him, uh, given Gordy his, his Yankees cap. Yes. And it meant a lot to him. Yes. So it gets stolen by by the gang. So when they're filming the scene in which Ace takes Gordy's uh, brother's Yankees cap, Kiefer Sutherland's first instinct was to put it on rather than hand it to his friend. Rob Ryan had told Sutherland not to put the hat on as a way of showing that Ace was stealing it just to be cruel, not for any sort of use. Just to be cruel um, and not because the hat was important to him in any way. Um, Sutherland and Will Wheaton both confirm in the DVD commentary a documentary. The reason Gordy never gets the hat back is that he threw it away immediately after stealing it. I always wondered what happened to that cap because I thought that cap was really important. It's one of those scenes where you think at the end he's going to throw the cap back at him or something. He's going to give it him back. He never gets the cap back. No. Uh, so, uh movie's based on the short story called The Body from a book of short stories called Different Seasons which includes the novels for a film called Apt Pupil which starred Ian McKellen in 1998 but also the Shawshank Redemption came from the same collection of uh, stories oh wow so Shawshank Redemption that was a good film absolutely um, when we talked about the pieting contest uh, the Barfarama oh god uh, a child extra actually threw up for real during the filming of it, oh which you can, which you can expect um can you imagine can you imagine not that it was obviously real sick but can you imagine the smell of that oh it'd just be in, in a tent well like the, if the, it the had fake really happened sick. well no it, the fake sick would be all right stunk. the fake sick would be all right oh no um i've got to get to this story because this, this is great michael jackson was asked to do a cover of stand by me for the movie but in the end they just thought the original would be yeah would be better as you would expect oh, it's authentic because it's from the time mm. Um, considering River Phoenix was 16, River Phoenix lost his virginity during filming. Oh, does he? Rob Reiner remembered that Phoenix came into work one day with a big smile on his face, in quotes, after spending a night with a family friend. He wrote to Rob Reiner on a piece of paper, it finally happened. Corey Feldman drank alcohol, kissed a girl off screen and smoked pot for the first time during that fateful summer of filming <laughs> in 1985. Well, it sounds like they had their own little journey. Well, exactly. They all, they all had their series of firsts, perhaps. Um, <laughs> yeah. Vern, Jerry O'Connell, having his first foray into swearing. <laughs> Whereas the other boys... Oh, yeah. <laughs> he went for it. Um, so, uh, Rebecca Romjin is uh, a famous actress. She played Mystique in the X-Men. Uh, so, I, I realise the blank looks that I'm getting at the moment. Um, she's famous. Um, 
But during a 2016 oral history of this film in the trade publication Variety, Jerry O'Connell said that it was not until after he'd already been dating Rebecca Romjin, the, the, the model, who would become his wife, for many months that she learned she'd been a devoted fan of the movie as a child. And she wasn't even the one to tell him. O'Connell said, I'm married to Rebecca, a beautiful model. She's way out of my league, a million times out of my league. About three months into dating, my wife is from Barclay and I went up, th- went up there to, m- to meet her high school friends. We got a little drunk and her high school best friend said to me, you know, Stand By Me is her favourite movie of all time. You know, she had posters all over her room growing up and she never told him. Aww. And you just like think, I love oh, the story. Is it because that. she didn't fancy him as the child character? I don't know. Well, no. I she mean, might have fancied, uh, like, you know, River Phoenix or. Yeah. Or someone, but she probably didn't want to tell him to hurt well, his feelings. Maybe. Indeed. Back to the uh, Barfarama. <laughs> the, the, the vomit is actually made from. Blackcurrants. Uh, a blueberry mix, I'll give you that, Ooh. and something else. Can you imagine that, though, in Cottage heat? cheese. Oh, God. No wonder someone barfed for real. Absolutely. Ugh. Um, so, it was, took 60 days to shoot the film, and they're all favoured with quite sunny days. Um, unusual for that sort of uh, level in Oregon, where it takes place. Um, so, it's, it was good to have that consistency. In, in the uh, throughout there it's a bit like us in the UK during uh, lockdown isn't it really we've had really good weather the last yeah. sort of eight weeks uh, Corey Feldman said in interviews he and River Phoenix used to meet up at auditions together well naturally mm. um, while other kids would be nervously waiting for the turns they'd just play outside until they were called <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine they wouldn't be very nervous about it so the four main actors met Rob Reiner and some of the crew in an Oregon hotel suite in the June of 1985 to perform games based on uh, a, a, a thing called improvisation for the theatre to develop trust in one another. The actors did things like mirror each other and talk through each other traversing the lobby while blindfolded so they started to get a bit of trust. <laughs> so what you wanted to do is bring yeah. these kids together and say you, you need to have a bit of a bond in it. Uh, contrary to urban legend, the leeches were fake. They were moulded latex, stuck on with rubber cement, which the boys found irritating on their skin. Will Wheaton recounted in a 2000 interview that the tenacious cement with red colouring mixed in to simulate blood caused them to be denied admission to a hydro tube water slide after that day's filming because <laughs> it looked like a contagious skin disease. I think that's just amazing. Brilliant. Uh, so we're nearly there at the end. The significance of the deer. Yeah, what was that about? Well, alone, sees uh, Gordy alone sees and decides to keep himself until after his adult life um, has been debated. Two theories are suggested are one, after all the bad things in the lives of the four boys, the death of Gordy's brother and the treatment from his parents, Ace and his friend, Teddy's abusive father, the death of the boy, the deer represents that some things in the world are still beautiful and this gives him hope. Right. He wanted to keep it to himself so nobody could debunk, to debunk his theory. Yeah. Or, Gordy spent the entire trip in the constant company of his friends not doing or saying anything that isn't seen or heard by the others. The deer is the one thing that's personal to him from the entire time that they're searching for the body. I prefer the first one. Yeah, it's The hope. first one is a, is a lot better. 
since 2007, the city of Brownsville, or which served for the setting of Castle Rock, has held an annual Stand By Me Day, celebrating the movie. In 2013, the Chamber of Commerce set the date to July the 23rd, so the big 30th anniversary event would fall on uh, Saturday in 2016. Uh, so it would always fall on a Saturday, so they would always make sure that it fell on this so that people can come. The movie has a massive fan base in Japan, and they receive a lot of visitors there as well. Oh. From them. Uh, the film was released in theatres on August 22nd, 1986, a day before... River Phoenix's 16th birthday. Wow. Uh, so so how old were the boys when they made the film? I did have that. I did have that written down, but I don't. I don't. So they weren't 16. With me? No, we had, we had like 13, 14, at 15. Um, according to Will Wheaton on the commentary, the scene in which Vern can't remember the secret knock to the clubhouse at the start. <laughs> um, uh, was thought of because it was thought of by Will Wheaton with the Phoenix Corey Feldman on the day um, it was just it was shot as that way to make Vern look even more pathetic it says <laughs> and I thought that's a bit harsh um, but yeah so that's it it's trivia time that's the end of trivia time that was really good trivia time yeah I thought so I thought I liked the Jerry O'Connell story um, I thought it was good and guess what we come in under uh, well, probably when I had the trailer and I edit this, it probably comes just over, just over an hour. Wow! So, so we're still there. We don't look at a clock, but we're still. Honestly, I didn't look for the last like fifteen minutes of that, so I, I, I don't know. I have such good fun with this that I lose track of time. Absolutely. Do we have our next film sorted that we're going to do? I know we've discussed quite a few. I've lost count now. I've forgotten. You've forgotten the, what films we were going to talk I've about. I've forgotten the eighties movie. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Should Very we just good. leave that there? Uh, I think we might might have to. <laughs> anyway, we would love to know what you uh, think of the uh, podcast. So you can find us at Instagram and Twitter at Rusted J Pod. Both of those set up to mirror each other. Please get in touch there. Or if you search for Rusted Junk, surprisingly. We're the only thing on Facebook is Rusted Junk, so you can find us there under our under our podcast. And we'd love to hear from you because you know we, we've got. I've had some genuinely nice comments from from people, um, from obviously from uh, Don Don, who I do the quiz with, who's not going to listen anymore because I've told him I don't like the Goonies. Um, I had a really really lovely comments from him that I'd I'd read out if I wouldn't well up. But I, I did, when I was at the quiz, the last quiz, I mentioned the podcast and I got some good feedback about the Ferris Bueller one as well. Mm. And I just thought it was really nice. Do you know what? If it just made a difference with all the stuff that's going on at the moment, if my if I've made a little bit of difference and brought a tiny bit of happiness and a bit of laughter into whatever, I don't know if it's laughter, but if we've just entertained you for a bit, and, and I we're, think we're really an happy with that. And uh, reminiscing as well, because, you know, there's, there's people probably of our age group or, or around our age, Maybe a bit older, a bit younger. Don't know. Hmm. A bit, bit younger. I think some of them are a bit older as well, actually, because um, I've had I've had feedback as well, actually. Um, I've whether I've been stupid or not to mention it to my clients that I've been on audits with. Hmm. Um, a few of them have uh, actually tuned in, and I know one one uh, lovely client who um, listens regularly to our podcast. Well. So. A big shout out. Are you going to give a shout out? Yes. Hello, Anthony. There you go, you see. 
so yeah, it's all very nice. Nice to hear the feedback and uh, quite shocked that I've not seen some of these films. So I'm sorry in advance, but maybe no that's what this, no that's what this uh, 80s uh, theme is about. The fact that I can actually indulge myself in some some good films. Obviously not There's been a couple of duds. The There's been a couple of duds. But yeah, since this sort of season has started, I would say I've really enjoyed watching the films. Mm. So we've our, our theme is uh, season two has been the teen film, hasn't it? So do you know what? After Stand by Me, I'd like to go before we do the Breakfast Club, which we know we're going to do at some point. I'd like to do a Maybe real we comedy. Finish the season with the Breakfast Maybe Club. Maybe we do. I think we do. But Not I think that we're it's just a doing, forgotten eighties movie. But I've never seen it. We're so. just doing out and out. You know. Funny, funny. Yeah, we need a bit of comedy after Stand By Me. All right. So I don't know what we're going to pick, but Any we will ideas? discuss that now. I, I, there's films that come to mind and like the sure thing, but you know, it's Can't going to. I mean, it's hard to get around if you're going to do teen film in the eighties. There are going to be crossovers because they're, they're all the teenagers from the eighties. Um, you know, we could do a Brat Pack. You know, we could do a Brat Pack film that isn't John Hughes. There are films that, that like that, so um, I guess we can just have a have a think about it and see what we're going to do. We definitely will finish with the Breakfast Club, though. All right. I can't wait to see that again. Anyway, after all of that, maybe we are maybe next over. season can have a theme. Maybe like action. Oh, should we have a, I've, I've already got a theme for next season. Jaws. F- films Amanda <laughs> scene for two or three minutes at a time. <laughs> no, we're already doing that. Oh right, sorry. Yeah, we're already already doing that. Okay. Yeah. Um, films we could play a game that for, uh, films that if you if you named an, uh, an actor see if she gets more than three you're just being mean alright okay Look, movies were not my thing <laughs> when I was growing up okay All they right. obviously were for you because you had no mates I had mates you, you I keep, went you out keep reiterating. I I've got, I've got mates. I can prove I had mates yeah. from that time yeah well, on, right then. I'm okay, not sad okay. enough to right. like go and buy stuff to go and look like some of these uh, film star characters. Yeah, well, um, I was very impressionable. Mm. Yeah, anyway. You, you mixed and matched, oh. though. Well, yeah, well, okay, maybe I did. Right, well, I'll tell you what, little, <laughs> little, pop, little pop quiz. Okay, you've got 30 seconds oh, to name me six Michael Douglas films. Six? Yep, six. Um... The one where he goes a bit. Oh god! It's this with so before we've even rattled off the absolute classics and the, the basic the ones. We go the one where he was the guy in the hat, you know, the one the, the hat, and he had that cane. And the, I'm not describing a Michael Douglas film. I'm just describing your your thought process when you do something like this. Was it right. not, it's not oh, Point God. Break, because that's the one with the surfing dudes. I, I apologise um, to all of you screaming <laughs> at the podcast at this moment, going, um, oh my God, oh Michael God. Douglas. I can't remember his name. Who's who's the dude out from The Matrix? Keanu Reeves. That's the one. So you I'm want a film with that. Keanu Reeves and Michael Douglas? No, no, no. Right, okay. No, no, I'm thinking, the film is called Point Break, but it isn't, because that's the film with... Keanu Reeves and Do you know what? I'll change Patrick it to Swayze name me six it. Keanu Reeves films because oh you can God. you can name me four because you've already just one, mentioned two, it. Three and four. Well, there's no fourth three, one. Three. There, there will be a fourth one. Three. Right. Uh, John Wick one and two. You can't have you can't have another trilogy. Right. They've well, all got to be individual films, films now. Well, that's um, ridiculous. You can have Matrix uh, one, two, and three. In Bill Point and Ted's Break. Bogus Journey. Yes. Uh, excellent Adventure. Well, there you go. There's your six. 
Oh, well, um, I did say you couldn't have another film. Go on, uh, just do another one. Um, gonna... Oh, the one with the uh, bus. Um, it's got the, oh. <laughs> the woman in it. <laughs> oh, it's the bus going fast. You know, the bus oh, the bus speeding. Yo, what's the title of the film? <laughs> I can't remember. So it's not speed then, is it? Is it? Yes. Oh! <laughs> Dear me. Right. Well, for those for those in any in any doubt of of the uh, mountain oh I regularly have to climb here, then then yes, you just uh, had a, a very small small brief but unique insight into it all. Um, so, uh, oh, with that Lord. said, we are going to so say yeah, goodbye. I can't, I can't give you six movies, with Michael Douglas. In no, you not give me any six. You cannot give me any like six that you. No. Oh, the the one with no. the the, the <laughs> knife. The, the one with the knife. <laughs> Dear. The um the bunny. The thingy. Um War of the Roses with Kathleen Turner. No. No. Okay. The the boiling of the bunny. Yeah. Fatal um, attraction. That's it. Right. Yes. Uh if I mention the characters, Gordon Gecko. Oh, and um Oh, Look at all was, flooding was he back. in this one? Um, if I, if you could see what no, I could see, on. there's a light bulb, actual light bulb at the head. The one with it's quite dim. The the blonde woman that crosses her legs. Yeah. What's that called? The blonde woman that crosses <laughs> the legs. I can't. Paul Verhoeven, who directed Basic Instinct, <laughs> must be going. It. Well, I'm Basic glad I created Instinct. that because people people that? remember that. Yes, he was. Right, there's two. Yeah. Um, Gordon Gecko. Oh, greed is good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Film? Wall Street. Oh, see, look. Oh, there you go. See, look, getting there. three. Yeah. Kathleen uh, Turner. He starred with War of the Roses, which I'll give you that. But there's two very famous films that he that he starred in with Kathleen Turner and Danny DeVito. Uh, when the going gets tough. The tough get going. Okay. Romance in the Stone and Jewel of the Nile. Oh, I didn't really watch them. Okay. Uh, do we um, play? Are, are there any more? Uh, are there any more Michael Douglas films? No, <laughs> yeah. I think that's pretty much it. I think he just uh, gave up after those. Right. Well, yeah. there we go. So you got all eight. <laughs> well done. Very well done. He made millions by the sounds of it, though, isn't he? He did do quite a few. Uh, Disclosure. If nobody's ever seen Disclosure, the graphics might be dated, but the concept isn't. I would definitely recommend that. So anyway, on that note, I'm going to say cheerio. And you're going to say... Toodle Pip. See you later. Rusted Junk. Rusted Junk. Rusted Junk. The Forgotten 80s Movies. The Forgotten 80s Movies.